the Bring It Up Show. Hi, this is Chelsea. This is Eric. This is Lotus. Lotus. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So would you give us a sense for what you're calling in to bring up, what your situation is? So I've... Oh, geez. It's, this is like a lot of information. Great. But to, to kind of sum like it up, that. mostly just... Um, oh, yeah, right? Um, it's, it's me um, creating boundaries mm. with my parents mm-hmm. and setting them. Mm-hmm. And ending cycles of codependency, and um, I feel like for me, I mean, I believe in magic and all that juju. Mm. So for me, it's for me. This is also um, ending ancestral, like spiritual, mm. um, just karmic patterns, and like giving them a stop. And I'm like, it ends here, it ends mm-hmm. now, and I don't want this for any further generations beyond me. Like, Beautiful. I want to end this now. Mm-hmm. I so, love it. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say then that you have like a particular boundary that feels most important to set or more just a general tone well, sw- switch? I think it's general because like... I have always been someone to take care of my family. Okay. Um, and being from an from an Asian background, mm-hmm. it's it's very like the family unit is like the most important unit. Mm-hmm. You know, children or kids. Um, I mean, if you live in an Asian country or you're from an Asian family, they don't like you grow up in the family and you're not expected to leave the house until you're married, Ah, you know? mm -hmm. So it's very, um, it's very archaic (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) It's hardened. Um, It's hardened over, it's hardened over generations. mm -hmm. Lotus, I have a question. Yeah. How could you imagine this conversation whenever you decide to have it going as bad as possible? (laughs) What's the worst? Are going as bad as possible? Yeah, what's the worst? Yeah. Like, the worst is my father throwing a huge fit mm. and, like, telling me that I'm selfish and telling me that, you know, I'm a child and I don't know what I want. And um, mm. that's mm-hmm. not, that's not like, what's truly going to make me happy or whatever, like, for some reason, like he's the one to decide my happiness. I don't know. Um. <laughs> if you were, if you were, say, at a having a casual conversation at a party, and and you were talking right. about parents and, and and growing up and all that stuff, and uh, you know now you're an adult. If somebody were to ask you, right. do you see your parents as people? What would be your response? Just as people, they're actually, you know, they're quite successful. They do, they're very kind people. They mm. really are. They have the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. And um, I personally, to me, what I see is that they've done the best that they could, you know, and like right. give them whatever background that they have yeah. and what they grew up with and honestly have given me the most quote unquote modern or contemporary learning up to their knowledge right and right. they have given me like more than maybe 
some other parents would. But like for me, like I'm also not trying to like um, speak for them. You know, it's like I'm not trying to like defend them. It's just I know that they did the best that they could. But for me, like be at my like as a person, it's like mm, there still needs to be boundaries. Yeah, and I still need to stand in my own autonomy and like still be sovereign. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think that your parents, all the things about your experience that you were sort of lamenting and want to put up boundaries around, do you think that their experience growing up was more severe than yours? Do you think that they have? Yeah, absolutely. I I think my father, especially, like, um, you know, he was he was a very poor, grew up, you know, in extreme poverty mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom, not so much, but she had difficulties because she had polio growing up. Oh, wow. And, you know, kiddos would, like, throw rocks at her. Oh, and, like, she would yeah. go home not telling her parents, you know, because she didn't want to worry them. And oh, she was very yeah. brave. So she has know? that history, so, yeah, of holding that for her yeah, parents. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of trauma there. And right. there's so much to unpack and so I don't really blame them for how they quote unquote treated me. I think it's a learned aspect. Right. But I also have to address it and be really honest about like how that's affecting right. me and how it's not healthy for right. me. So I'm literally setting boundaries and being yeah. like, I'm not going to talk to you for a while because right. I need to figure out this shit. Yeah. Well, I definitely hear that you've already, you know, done quite a bit of considering here. And I think that's that's why it's probably difficult for you to bring it up because in addition to setting boundaries, what you're kind of addressing here is like a cultural paradigm. So, you know, different understandings of what healthy looks like. And as you said, you know, you know that your parents love you and they've given you what they understand to be, you know, a healthy family dynamic, right? So, more of that collectivist mindset where everybody's sort of holding the energy for each other, right? Like your mom grew up holding that space for her parents and obviously felt that it protected them and in in turn probably protected her from something too. So you're really kind of introducing a different paradigm. Yeah. And there's also, I'm seeing and listening to some of the, like the words that you've used to describe the situation and the word severance pop into my mind. There's a, there's going to be yeah, a severing absolutely. here and I want to, I, I'm wondering the, what is, be, what is being severed? Mm. I want you to know when you go into this eventually, what, how tightly things are wound together. Right. Because if there's a, if you don't want them to hear it, like you're saying that you don't want to be their daughter. But if you throw things into the into the boundary setting that are connected to right. their idea of themselves as parents, they're yeah. going to think that you might accidentally cut, like you're trying to cut one thing, but then you end up cutting three. And so... It's a good question, Eric. I right. think, yeah, I mean, I think you're doing some of that right now by just talking about, okay, so I'm experiencing this as a boundary violation. Right. And I recognize that for them, it's an expression of care. And so, you know, how do I separate those two things? Because you're looking at it from their perspective to see what, what they're going to hear when you say, right. you know, maybe if there's a specific example, I don't want you right. to, you know, come over and clean my house. Or, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your specific circumstances are, but. my Well, my see, my family lives 
you know, across the Pacific. My parents don't live okay. in the States anymore. But the funny thing is, like, they live so far Our away. Parents have ghosts and yet before I they still die. Feel their presence here. <laughs> yeah. And finally, yeah, it's it's like this phantom that lives in my house, and like, mm. why am I letting that control me? And so I finally was like, no, that's not the way to live. That's how that's how a child, you know, mm-hmm. that my severance is I'm an adult. I should right. be treated like an adult. Yeah. I know they still see me as a child and it's very hard for somebody to like, like I still look at my cousins and I'm like, I still remember you when you were born. <laughs> it's almost like a double exposure. It's it's like baby on top of this adult person now who's already married and has their own babies, yeah. you know? And it's like, holy fuck, you know, like I'm seeing that for my parents, like my parents looking at me and it's like, I don't have, I'm not married and I don't have babies. And like, there's like all this shame, I'm sure surrounded around that, like, in so many ways, I mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. like show them myself as an adult, not associated with um, having to get married to, to be an adult or being um, or having a child to be an adult or you know what I mean? Like as you're setting these boundaries, I, I'm, I'm viewing them like like webs and there's like more webs <laughs> on you than you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was kind of the image of mm-hmm. of cutting, you know, being careful what you're cutting. Yeah, totally. It's a big mesh cobweb pile. We, we live in our social sort of field. And so I know I tend to like flail into, you know, right. ha- having an opinion and feeling like I'm ready to go because I've got, I'm all strapped up, but you can't strap up fully and be fully prepared without doing some sort of awareness action that, that might, that might put you in a better position to, while you're severing these threads to also shoot new ones. To, like to establish that. your own terms of connection with them will make them know that you're invested in in your you know familial relationship, and so <laughs> a place where you can do that is because I know when I'm following being followed by ghosts, <laughs> I like to just push the ghosts away. But the ghosts are yeah. you know the manifestations of our experiences slash traumas. And when well, you talked a lot about history and ancestry, so that's important to you, yeah. Well, to me, yeah, that's really important to me because, like, Beautiful. you know, I, I grew up with us. So, mm. and, and this is the connection I have with my father is because we do a lot of that kind of work. We do a lot of ancestral work. Like, we've dealt with phantoms and ghosts and this mm. type of stuff. And so I'm also approaching it in that manner. And that's why it's taking me this time to kind of process before I go into it. I'm not, mm. like, I'm like... I'm setting up my little packet tools and this is like, you know, I have to set it up first, just like before any sort of ritual, you have to, you have to prepare your, your implements. And so for me, this is like me preparing my mental implements. Uh, and you, you sound like you have experience with, with these ghosts and these phantoms. <laughs> so, you know, you can correct me if this is, if this is a harebrained mm-hmm. idea, but as the ghosts of your <laughs> nice. parents follow you or appear they sort of appear around especially in the house i wonder if you have the interest capacity or if it's possible and your work with spirits in that may may be informative right to literally shape the ghosts into the nicest versions of your parents that you know of so that when you go into the space with them you are the, the, their best qualities and the things that you love about them, this will give you the sort of like motivation to, to create those new threads 
if you're seeing them because the shit's going to come up. You're there to talk about the shit. But if you sit down, if you feel like you're sitting down across from like, you know, a, a very friendly, beautiful, if you're sitting across from a beautiful creature instead of a mm. thing that's harmed right. you, that could put you in a, in a, in a softer position to negotiate uh, the, and make them feel more comfortable. Right. I think that comes from my own personal mm-hmm. perspective and not I, the idea changing them. I think it's just myself because yeah. they are always they've always been yeah. lovable. Right. And they've always been people that yeah. I care about. And they're always these people that, you know, would do mm-hmm. anything for me, you know. And so. Like I'm tearing up, but like that's that I know is the nature of my parents. But at the same time, it's the it's the anxiety that I have to deal with. So it's like, in order for me to change that perspective, I literally have to like, I've been going through just practices yeah. of like, as you guys were saying in the beginning, just seeing them as people and not seeing them as like right. my parents. Like literally just seeing them as people and having very kind of compassionate view on them as opposed to like, they're my parents. No, they're people. They're, they're really just people. They're, like when mm-hmm. you look at somebody, it's because mm-hmm. you put meaning on it, right? You add meaning to it. It's, it becomes a stronger emotion because you mm-hmm. put that there. And it's not, if you look at it with equanimity, right it's Mm -hmm. not they're not a threat right they're just people they're just people like like it's like a stranger on the street if they told you something right it could mean Mm -hmm. nothing to you they could say something it's like you don't know me right and like totally brush that off but when it comes to your parents because you think they know you so well it's like we want them to know us so well yeah we want them to know us so well there's that there's that like expectation, right? And we all know expectation leads to disappointment. And so Mm -hmm. we don't want to, it's like, it's like this anticipated like expectation slash disappointment. Like we're expecting to be disappointed by the fact that our parents won't understand us. And it's like me having this moment and trying to learn that I need to give my parents the opportunity to understand me or the opportunity to think that they will oper- like understand me and that perspective. And I totally see how Eric is mm-hmm. like, yeah, how you're telling me that like using this perspective to see my parents, not as these. It's like, these. you know, it's, it's funny because we, you know, they're the parents, you're the kid. Right. We, we expect them to have a certain amount of, you know, I don't know, emotional prowess or awareness about us. But right. I find that feelings and, and respect is, is reciprocal. And so right. that if you want them to understand you, the first step, or not the first step, but a first step is to really try to understand them. Right. Yeah, and I think that when we're talking about understanding them, I think what we're doing here is kind of unpacking different definitions because it's really like, like you said, there's no ill will here. And so you're talking about two different things when, when we're talking about setting boundaries. We're talking about the specifics of here are things that I will no longer, I mean, because the boundaries about us, right? That's one of the main yeah. misunderstandings when we do boundary work. It's not a demand. It's not here. Right. I won't let you 
call like me. It's, it's like, I'm us. not going to answer. <laughs> right. Right. So, exactly. so specificity is helpful in terms of like, just actually communicating here are the things you can expect parents i'm no longer available in these ways but then we're also talking at the same time about definitions of respect definitions of what is an adult definitions Mm -hmm. of what is a healthy relationship right Mm -hmm. and so like to have with your parents so i think that the problem you know as always with any of these questions about initiating conversations is the clarity uh, between like, what can I actually say? That's just, I think of it like an arrow shooting out from me that actually is just going outward to be heard. And, right. and but when we want to change, obviously you recognize when we want to change somebody's mind, that's not an arrow going outward. That's like a boomerang. Like there's an expectation that they will then adopt or at least validate your your definition of an adult, right? And we don't right. know that that will ever happen because like Eric was saying, these webs are tied together. So, you know, your parents' definition of an adult is probably also tied to their relationship with their parents. It may feel dishonoring to the ancestors to create a new paradigm. So part of what you're saying, you know, it's almost like the more specific you are and the more gentle on the ground you are, like, okay, I am no longer going to be accepting these particular behaviors then yep. it, you're showing them a new way, right? Rather than saying yeah. this this way of adult, this way of understanding adulthood is no longer valid to me. Here's my way, right? Not that you're doing that, but that's what we all, we would like to be able to offer our definitions and have them be heard, but that may never happen. But instead, if you are living into this new way where you're right. really clear, right? Yeah. About what you're no longer willing to do or receive that may start to form this new new dynamic and show them that it's possible right yeah and, and there's go ahead. there's also you know i, I was going to say the use the word violations but they're they, they didn't start off as violations they started off as norms and then uh-huh. you sort of outgrew them uh but they still you know you like you had to like grow around them and but the, 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 we're talking about decades of establishing oh, things. hundreds of years. Well, yeah, hundreds of years, but I mean in her life. Yeah. In her life, it's been decades of you're establishing. You're not hundreds of years old? You're not, oh. You're <laughs> such an old soul. You are a very old soul. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. Aren't we a <laughs> I thought this was all just ghosts. Yeah. Um, I, I, I come to the... Um, to the to the work I do with like bodies and people trying to change the shape of their body and stuff that's right. present now that's been around for a long time. Yeah. Takes a lot of I, I'm I wonder how many conversations mm-hmm. you think you think it will take to get you to a place of new understanding with your parents because there's, you know, breaking down that needs to be done and there's building up that needs to be done and there's vulnerabilities that you're going to be asking them to show you that they probably haven't shown before. So how, how's that space going to be created? And because they may think, like you said, that showing that vulnerability to you would be dishonoring of you and their role as your parent. I think that's a common, Nice. I mean, I think that's, I think that's kind of buried here, you know, part of the expectation of collectivist thinking is that we feel like we're doing, I say we, but I think individuals in that system kind of feel like they're honoring each other, 
by keeping that as their mm-hmm. own burden. Right. right? And so right. we and people I don't get to have different that. paradigms, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm with you too, but I know I don't yeah. believe that anymore because it's like I'm like why why it is self-harm, right? And the idea mm-hmm. why does the idea of sacrifice have to be self-harm? Right. Why That's can't really the idea great. Why can't the idea of sacrifice be, I give up self-harm. I sacrifice mm. self-harm mm. for you're the already, good. You, I love the inversions that you're bringing into this. You earlier said, you, I, I, I want to have, you, you, you mixed, you're like, we don't want to have, you know, expectations can be damaging because they, they typically lead to disappointment. But then you're like, I'm going to watch out for my expectation to be disappointed. And, and again, <laughs> sure. you have gone and you've, you've done a beautiful like sort of inversion of why can't sacrifice being giving up self-harm. It is a sacrifice. What are you giving up? What, what are the cultural things attached and the familial things attached to what has become self-harm in your life? That you, that you're gonna have to give up because nothing is isolated. Nothing is not connected to everything else. We're if we if right. we're pulling something damaging out of ourselves, it's connected yeah. to everything else. So like I that I loved what you said there. Why sacrifice could be giving up self harm if self harm has been a thing that has been sort of a, this particular self harm has been like a, a, a kind of a toxic sustaining. It's been sustaining your relationship this with your parents right. all this time. Yeah. Otherwise, they yeah. would have fixed it by now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wound, right? And, like, sometimes you have to cut out the wound. And there's that initial pain and the blood and the, and the you know, and the scraping and the, and the scab that happens over the wound, right? Like, there is that initial mm-hmm. pain. There is something there. But there's also the, the moment and point in time of healing. Like, you can't. Like there's always you can't have one without the other, but what is less what is actually less damaging? Can we take out the big thing and like mm-hmm. like this cancer, right? This disease that right. we have this emotional disease that we have, can we take that out and change it energetically and turn it into something that is of understanding, right? Of of mutual respect. Can we grow that? Mm-hmm. Their respect we, like, is gonna be that huge. As medicine, right? To like heal ourselves and that's for me that's like that's the point at where I'm sitting what I'm sitting with right now is like how do I how do I cut out this wound mm-hmm. cauterize it right and like really like show my parents that this is this is only this is a temporary this is a temporary pain right this is a temporary yeah. pain to, to like heal generations of disease and like, how do I do that? And like, right now, I'm just sitting with that. And that's why well, I'm no, taking I think, time yes. I think yeah. you're doing a lot already. Um, I think you are, you've already done a lot of preparation because when we talk about respect as sort of the ground or the space within which these conversations take place, right? Oh we're, I think we have to talk about, what is it called? The platinum rule? The, pro- uh-huh. the platinum rule of like, not do Ooh, unto others that? as, oh, so the golden rule is do unto others as you would, have them do to you it falls wildly right. short so dumb um i guess wildly short the platinum rule if i understand it correctly is do unto others as you believe they would like to have done to them and oh, so that's already a thing 
Yeah. Damn it. I thought oh, that was, I thought I can't. Oh, man. Get, yeah. Okay. So, but, so in this case, you've, you've, you have a sense of where the cancer is in their body, if we're calling it a cancer, right? Which I think we also just have to recognize it's like a different paradigm. But that's right. a part of the investigation is you're looking at what is the system they're operating within? What is it attached to in their bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not just yeah. going to cut it out the same way of your body that you would cut it out of theirs. And you really can't cut it out of theirs without their permission as you, exactly. this is why it's, this is what you, you already sense that. <laughs> but if and you go into important. it, <laughs> yeah, no. consent's very important. And so I think that's why you're struggling to know what you can and can't say, because you recognize that it hits them in a different way. It's, it's right. attached to different things in their history. But right. I think that that's why I'm I'm keep coming back to the difference between communicating a boundary and, and in that regard I say more the more specific sort of the better because mm-hmm. that's something you can really say and even if they don't understand what that's all attached to for you it could right. begin to put I mean if there are boundaries that you know for sure like this is already separated enough that it's safe to cut this off, right? Like I'm not receiving right. phone calls after 8 p.m. I don't know what exactly. your, your circumstances are, but. Yeah, I also like my brain was, we're talking about boundaries and, and like Chelsea just said, you know, no more calls after 8 p.m. But I wonder also if what you're going for can be articulated as what you're going for. So again, that's sort of like building while you're tearing down. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, I, I love, I love taking calls between four and seven p.m. I'm so about it. I'm, <laughs> so I'm weird. so into calls Wait, between four and seven p.m. Mom and Dad, that's oh, what I, that's what oh, okay. I love. I love phone calls between four and seven p.m. Exactly. That's what I'm way into, and I'm hoping that we can connect further between <laughs> four and seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that kind of. Well, thing. absolutely. No, no, no. I, I totally get that. It's like stating what we want, like being very right. clear right. about what we want, and being clear about our desires, and like. That I definitely understand, and yeah. um, and feeling the feeling the like I don't know right or whatever you want to call it like authority in in our own sovereignty whatever you you know like just being okay with saying this is what I want and yeah. res- please respect that and if you don't well I'm going to yeah. respond this way like if you're going to do this then exactly. I'll be this way and, yeah. like, and being very yeah. very clear about that and. That's, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at as well is just like, hey, like, you can do this and these are the consequences. You can. Well, and you can do it and they can do it. Yes. Yeah. Like, because well, I think... it... <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, and I think that that's kind of my like, that's what I come back to with boundary work is yeah. I like to call it staying in our seat. And in my body, it feels like leaning back so that maybe if I'm in a chair with a back right that my back is touching the chair because I notice with boundary right. work when we want to shift the other person's paradigm right we lean forward physically <laughs> at least I do and I notice wow, that with my yeah. clients like yeah yeah we just I mean we're actually like almost reaching forward to begin to to try to move them and we just 
we know how fruitless that can be because it's not just that it's a violation of other people's boundaries to try to shift their paradigms without consent, but it's also just confusing to them. Like, I don't think that people understand what we're doing if we're not clearly stating here are my values. I see that our values are different. So when we're sitting in our chair, when we're, when we're staying in our seat, then I, I imagine the boundaries coming out as arrows. Like all we can do is send a message out, like a message in a bottle, right? It's almost as if the space between us and the person sitting right across from us is an ocean because we don't know that anyone will ever receive the message. And that's the helplessness that we have to actually kind of confront. We have to sort of accept that in order to send the message out and not reach and lean. So I think what you're saying, you know, we can state a desire, we can state an expression of gratitude, um, we can state a trust in innocence, you know, like you've already expressed that so beautifully, you recognize the innocence of the intention. So you can state that, that can be an arrow coming out of you and you can state a boundary. Um, And obviously like those things are probably easier for you to communicate and then just see what happens as opposed to trying to make your new paradigm make sense to them. Right. When you do walk away from this conversation, I think you will be chuckling at how many times you had to articulate respect and gratitude. So small emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Just that constant, because that's the thing that is like, uh, that's probably one of the things that is like they, they might feel is on the line. Right. And so if you you might have to keep laying that brick down over and over and over again as you go, like, you know, I respect you, like even something as simple as that. Oh, it's hard because they'll be like, they'll be like, no, you don't respect me. And like, that's like, and I've had like similar kinds of conversations like this. And they're like, you're a child. Right. You don't know. And like, that's, that's not respecting us and like all this other stuff. And then it's like, I personally, for me, it's like, I'm actually what I'm actually guarding against. And I say guard because like I'm guarding against my own reactions to what they're saying, because I need to like, yeah. also, like know that it might not be all hunky dory when I talk to them. And it, as mm. much as what, as we've said, like they might not accept what I have to say. And I actually have to be okay with that because Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the consent process, right? They can they can right. choose to accept or not accept. And yeah. I have to respect yeah. that. That's respect, yeah. You know? And I can't... That's actually what I'm mentally preparing for is this opportunity to allow them to hear me out and hopefully, like, accept what I have to say. But I also have to prepare, you know, on the other hand, I also have to prepare for the fact that they might not accept what I have to say and I might really have to cut this and I might not talk to them for even longer amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. and I might be on my own. I might feel like I don't have parents for a while, even though they are my parents, you know, that, that, that feeling of like that loss of intimacy with my, with my family, you know? And so with that said, like, I'm not, I'm like, Preparing my heart for those emotions and that that space and the yeah. space that I need to give myself. So right now yep. it's like literally why I'm not like jumping into the conversation right away because I'm just like okay, Fair. this could yeah, happen. Yeah, that's very smart. You, you know, this could yourself. happen. Yeah, 
And I like, yeah, you know, I want to respect their feelings too. And like, obviously this is like, like a conversation like this could be very traumatic for them. Like I have to respect that. And I had a, um, uh, have you seen, um, Indiana Jones and the, and the temple of doom where he switches out the little bag of gold for the statue? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a classic, like he, like, he's like trying to do it all time wise. That also came into my mind as, as you, from your parents' perspective are sort of taking a sledgehammer to some of the things that they might value. And maybe there's collateral damage having that other thing to switch in there. If you're going to take, if they're going to, if they're going to, if they're going to feel like you're taking a little bit of respect from them, what are you going to, what's going to be? Cause I feel like it's that void. It's when we take, mm-hmm. it's when we, it's when we put a new situation into the space that maybe take something from somebody else that we are, or are not aware of. And if we don't, if, that, if we don't make an effort, you know, right. this is doing the work. If we don't make an effort to fill that space with something, it'll get filled with rage and, and shame. Or it yeah. can, it can be filled with rage and shame. So having something there to kind of be like, you know, a, but like, I want to make changes, but like there's a, something like that is just, could be another useful sort of uh, item to put in your u- utility belt. Uh, as right. We, as we... That's definitely what I'm, like pondering and thinking about yeah. right now. That's like all of that right now has been how do I address this? And and for me it's making plans and talking to them in a very quote unquote logical as possible with yeah. like mm-hmm. the stuff that this is attached to because it is attached to like quote unquote material things. And yeah. and 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 using that as the kind of like fulcrum of the conversation to make it very like like flat but at the same time like there's it's going to be emotionally charged there's all this stuff that's behind it right and like yeah that's Mm -hmm. what colors it all but trying to bring the conversation back to like the matters that i actually have to take care of that are practical and and using that as a like here like my my work is done you're saying i like that you have a nice neutral terrain there yeah yeah. And I think that what I keep coming back to is just different definitions of respect. I mean, yeah. we hear yeah. that your parents love you. We can assume and this is where the the foundation of respect is, right? It's the benefit of the doubt. It's like I'm going to yeah. trust that you have a reason for doing what you're doing, even if right. I don't fully understand it. And so right. when you're talking about, I don't know this Indiana Jones reference, because I don't, I don't even know. I'm just like disappointing so many people in my life. By this, a lot this, of, is, <laughs> this is one of the most. This is the most profane moment <laughs> so far. But like what you're replacing it with, in at least from your seat, is a different definition of respect. Yeah. And that's yes. all you yeah. can do. Is, yeah. And I think, yeah. I think when we're talking about generational differences in values and culture i think that it sometimes makes sense to just simply say like look parents it's a different world now there were reasons right like for people to have the notions of respect that they had in those systems generations ago and maybe we didn't agree with it then but it maybe made more sense right and we can assume there's a reason but you can say well that doesn't feel like respect to me my definition of respect would be more looking like in a concrete example like if you let me know before Four to you're 7 p.m. <laughs> only that's that's where we're going to land i think if we offer those concrete examples of this is what respect feels like to me this is my new definition or my definition that i've developed then it's not saying right theirs is wrong and and because nobody wants to hear that yeah 
And you're not saying that, right? No, nothing's inherently right, right. or wrong. Um, I mean, like, back in the day, why did we have, like, all those rules with, like, Leviticus and, like, food? Like, <laughs> Yeah, actually, I don't know. Like, wild garlic <laughs> and blah, 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 Yikes. right? <laughs> like, like, you can't eat those things because they right. actually, like, medically in that True. time hurt people and they couldn't take care of themselves, right? right? And now it's like, well, we have medicine to, like, exactly. to deal with it. So it's yep. fine. So that's the same thing. It's like, do we have the medicine now to deal mm. with it? Ooh, it's a beautiful question. We're, I think we're alchemying. We're doing alchemy here right now, right <laughs> you said here, right magic. now. Yeah. That's magic right there. Yeah. yeah. And we have the medicine to deal with it now. So Ooh, why, God, why there's continue, a poem in there. Why continue to do the same thing? And it's just like, okay, mom and dad, like I really think there's the medicine to take care of this now. Can we can we stop believing in this old like I'm scared bullshit that this is going to harm you and like really look at the really look at what's going on right now and seeing how people are dealing with like issues like this now. And it's okay yeah. to really the show that examples building toward maybe showing that a different world is possible now. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's one thing that can help yeah. people have paradigm shifts is when they see something functioning well exactly. in a new paradigm. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. I think this is really a beautiful example that I imagine a lot of people can relate to. I hope everyone can take that to the holiday table, you know. Oh, my God. To the holiday table. (laughs) Best of skill and consideration. Best of vibes. Best of vibes. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye, Lotus. Bye. Musical talent is Ben com. Bring It Up is produced by Chelsea Balzer on Instagram at Big Feels Lab and Eric Anker on Instagram at Critical Empathy.